All right, what's going on? Blast. Episode of Full Province Podcast. We back talking about boxing, the shit I like to talk about. Uh, my co-host, as usual, Jamie. Um, so recently, I sent you a text a couple of days ago or a day ago. Uh, I think I said if I was out, I would sab- I would sabotage the rest of the year for boxing. For, not in a bad way, but just for people who aren't under the PBC brand. You have over 200 fighters in your stable. Uh, you have plenty of fucking talent and you have a lot of the stars. So I think it would be very easy for him to get together with those guys. And and after this whole February card or the, just February is done, just watch what other people do and put put together some really good matches that would definitely uh, gain some attention. What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea post-pandemic. Post-pandemic? Yeah. I, I would rather just see him do it now. Like, just cancel just cancel guys out. Man, who wants to see, who wants to see these half-ass matches, man? I, I think they canceled themselves out. This shit is trash. And, and the PBC cards haven't been that great either. They have not? Not all of them. And just to be real. Um, but I get the economics of it, and that's why – when the pandemic is over and you can get full crowd, full audience, we kind of get to some sense of normalcy. I think that's when it would be very, very uh, smart to employ that strategy. Man, I think I think you should just go ahead and just give it a, a run in the dark right now. Put together some. Well, light, I, some I think he's gonna do it on the big on the big ones. Like you know, obviously you got Canelo just gonna fight Cinco de Mayo. You best believe Al is going to you know. All right, you got Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. He's going to put some big fights up that's going to, you know, take right. away from that. Yeah. And it's going to be a Mexican fighter. It's most likely. Yeah. Um, or, or put it like they have a double impact card or something. You know, throw like a Charlo yeah. card. Or have like a co-main yeah. co event or something. Don't make it nothing drawn out. Just make it like three or four fights and, and get it yeah. done and out the way. And I think, I think yeah. that will go well. So I already know he's going to do it in September with Benavidez. So now he needs a dance partner for, for May. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, he's going to gun right at Canelo, basically saying, okay, you're big. You're trying to take over Mayweather's, you know, Mayweather's dates, which yeah. have significance to, you know, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans, but in the greater Latino population, because they all kind of like huddle together amongst themselves as Latinos and supporting Latino boxing, which I think is great. It's great to support yeah. your, your, your people. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Um, my main thing is, is that, um, the, the guy that's supporting doesn't want to give us the best fights. No, so at, at the end of the day, if that if he he's trying, he's stealing money, you know, he can steal their money if they want to because they want to fly the flag and feel good about it and know the outcome. But for people who are really into boxing and for the general, for the casual um, uh, boxing yeah. consumer, or, you know, or fan, then what we need, then what Al I think should do is just put together some good fights I think Fox does a really good job of promoting the fighters in the fights. They do a lot of stuff on social media. They get a lot of push a lot of stuff out there. They get them on. I think they can get them on a few more of their shows. I notice they incorporate them in some of their other programming, which is really really smart. Um, that's an advantage that Fox has, you know, um, over ESPN. Now, ESPN would have that advantage because it's owned by Disney, but you don't really see anybody like take like Crawford. Why isn't Crawford on any of the other Disney-owned platforms to help promote his brand and, 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 and make his brand bigger than what it is? 
to then draw people to watch them on ESPN. So that's Disney has the capability to do it, but Fox is already doing it. But that's just a bad look for whoever is in his corner. And that's not to speak bad about anybody. But when you don't have the people in your corner saying, hey, I think you should step out a little bit more. You should make some guest appearances. Uh, you should be a little bit more active in social media and things like that. When you're strictly about boxing, that's excellent. Like, you stick to your craft. I, I know for a fact Terrence is always in the gym and he's always working out. Yeah. But oh, yeah. people want to see you. You understand what I'm saying? They, they want to see you. Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard had the advantage because of on other fighters because he was seen. He was out. Like, mm-hmm. people saw, saw him doing stuff. He was in Coca-Cola commercials and all this other stuff. So right. he was accessible to the people, which made the, it made him like I guess I don't know, maybe well, the, champion. Well, even or even like Ali, the people's champion, right? So some yeah. people have that personality and they have that polish, and some yeah. people don't. Some people right? don't. now. Now here's the thing, though: where they're missing the boat is maybe you as the fighter. That's not who you are, or where you feel most most comfortable. Because that, that's what Al is doing to Terrence. You got to get yourself out there. You got to do this. So he's always going to put that on him. But what Buzz should do is have somebody on his team who is polished, who is good at communications, who is good at public relations, represent him and put themselves out there and, and almost as an extension of him. Yes. Now it'll never it'll never be as good as if it what if it if it would never be as good as if it, it's a real thing if it was him, but you 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 at least put the next best thing. Yeah, someone with so, a social influence, like to control yes. your media and things like that. Yeah, now like, like take this as like LeBron. Now LeBron is great. LeBron actually does have a personality. He is conscious. He's developed a polish, but he had Maverick Carter. You know, he had other guys on his team Facts. who were able to go out there and make some things happen. And look at what he's doing. He Facts. to me, he he has the blueprint. I got a, I got some day ones. I made it, so we made it. Yeah. So, hey, man, hey, you go take these classes at Harvard. You go do this. You go do that. Whatever it is you think you're help good me, at. Help you help me. Exactly. And we're going to form this partnership. And, you know, they got clutch sports. Look at what they're doing now. Big and so that's why, that's why he's able to make power moves. And that's why, you know, his name comes out of people's mouths. You know, whether it's, you know, a, a, a low life like and, and a fake like old boy in the UFC, uh, Colby Covington, you Trash. know trash you know who you know trying to market himself as a maga guy he's a grifter you know good actually good fighter i actually l- like to watch him fight i just think as an individual i just think he's um trash because of the way he's marketing himself and and, and um he, he's cheapening his brand he just doesn't see yet he doesn't see it's a diminishing um <laughs> it's a diminishing commodity he doesn't see yeah. that but all, all that being said teeth kicked in too so well, yeah, especially if you start losing you know, and, and, and you start getting, you know, pummeled or, or, or and especially if you make things about race and politics, you, you should really want to stay away from that stuff and focus on being, you know, being a fighter or being about all the people yeah. and inspiring people, not tearing people down. So I think that's where he made his mistake. But um, but he went for the low hanging fruit because he thinks that's who his target audience is. Yeah, he was trying to sell um, himself. Like you said, marketing, yeah. it was a marketing job. Yeah. But off yeah. him and back to, you know, what is yeah. most important. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of just having or using the, the, the base, the platform of Fox, not to necessarily mm-hmm. put on the best cards, but, you know, that old that old ABC network, those type of fights. Well, where you would have whoever is fighting on the uh, zone card or whatever. And then on that same day, you would have a PBC card on Fox. Even if it was regular TV, you say, hey, can we hold this slot for two hours? And we yeah. have three or four fights. 
and we uh, we, we want to see what, what what happens with this. I think it will garner enough tension that way people always have have it in their head. Hey, since they're doing it on Fox, maybe I should pay attention when it's actually a Fox pay per view or when it's a PBZ or Showtime. Yeah. Well, I think that's what Al is doing. He did a little bit of, bit of it before the pandemic. You know, you have fights on FS, yes. you got FS1, yes. all this other stuff. You can see him starting to go there to build fighters. Like, you know, take for instance, that, that, that whole strategy is perfect for like a Boots Ennis, right? Mm. You put him on Fox, he could be a headliner on a FS1 or a Fox, regular Fox card or be on the undercard of a, of a major Fox card, uh, Fox, uh, fight on Fox. And that's how he builds up his household name brand recognition. Yes. Then when the pay-per-view comes out, it's like, oh, yeah, I used to watch him on, you know, Fox, you know, Saturday, whatever. Just similar to what Showtime does with Showbox. Yeah. Same thing. They should do that. They do that on Fox, build up these younger fighters, help them build their brand, get them exposure, hit the casual fan because Fox have a wide viewership and do it that way. Yeah. Um, and the people that are wondering why I say do that and sabotage cards, it's not necessarily just to be uh, – rebellious or anything like that. It's just the nature of the business right now where you don't have the best fighting the best. We're not seeing the best guys fight the best. Uh, and the ducking, for those who don't know, there's a lot of ducking going on. I recently seen a certain boxer put on uh, his crown and his crown was a Daffy Duck, uh, Donald Duck. He put Donald Duck on his on his uh, head and he ran around. I recently saw that and I was like, you don't know how foolish that actually makes you look. Like you're admitting yeah. to the fact. Yeah. He knows what it looks like. You know, like he's saying, Devin Haney got played. But ultimately, no. Um, the WBC is playing itself because we we all know what it is. Like you're trying to question our intelligence. Yeah. That's why the WBC has lost. And Suleiman, who's done interviews on, you know, with some 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 brothers on YouTube and stuff like that. He, you know, it doesn't pass the smell test. We know what it is. Yeah, I'm you know not, that's not, not that that yeah. That's the, that's their organization. That's how they want to roll. So be it. But at the end of the day, we we know what it is, and it's like you know, you you can sell it to a certain group of people, but it's not going to sell with another group. No. And to me, that's that's just bad business because the whole purpose of business is to try to sell to as many people as possible. Yeah, get as many people under your tent as possible. So um, it's so much better for him to just come out and say, hey, I let my promoter do all the all the behind the scenes workings to make sure that I get the fights. Um, I have nothing to do with what goes on up front. Or 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 I would respect the guy if he was just real. If he was like, look, man, Devin Haney is a tough fight and I respect Devin Haney. And I just beat Lomachenko, you know, what, no matter what you think or not, he was up there top pound for pound. I won the belts. I'm a young man. I'm a young fighter. I'm excited. But I want to get some more fights and some more experience under my belt because Tiafimo Lopez and Devin Haney is a big fight. See, what you do is you, 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 that's how you know you're not a businessman because you're a businessman. You can kill two birds on one stone. We, we all know he don't want to fight Devin Haney right now. So if you're not going to fight him now, but eventually you're going to fight him later, then start building the fight. Start building intrigue. Yeah. But what, what these young fighters don't understand is in building intrigue, respect your opponent. Because the more respect you give your opponent, the more intrigue is going to give to the casual fan and to the 
person who's watching it, they're like, oh, he thinks that guy's a threat. He thinks that guy's a really good fighter. Especially when they the fight. They're like, yo, yeah. I respect that shit. I respect that. That's going to be a really good fight. Yeah. To me, they're thinking ego instead of thinking business. Yeah. And it's no shame in saying that, man, this other guy is really good. Like, I think the way Arrow's going about it is very smart which is why he is the highest earning fighter right now. Even he, he surpassed Canelo, live gate, tickets, pay-per-views, all of it. The reason why is he has been very deliberate about, okay, let's look at it. Unfortunately, there are sides of the street because networks, promoters, et cetera, et cetera. That's out of, our, out of my control. And for people saying fighters can fight who they want to fight, whatever, miss me with that. Because it's a business and everybody's making money. So what he's saying is, is I'm going to, I'm going to beat all the guys on my side that are where the fights are easier to make. I'm going to go get all the belts. Whoever has it, I'm going to beat them. Okay. Porter. Okay. I'm going I'm to take Danny Garcia came off the accident, but he was a former champion. Him and Sean Porter had a close fight for the belt. I'm going to take, I'm going to take away the guesswork. I'm going to beat Danny Garcia. Yeah. All right. Fuck, fuck Keith Thurman. And all y'all know why fuck Keith Thurman. So I'm not talking about Keith Thurman. In terms, that's how Arrow look at it. Then he's like, okay, I want to fight Manny. Manny didn't want to fight Arrow. Manny comes out, blowing smoke. Oh, he's slow. Okay, if he's slow, go beat him. Instead, you're trying to fight Ryan Garcia and the fight this, you know, so Manny looks kind of silly now too. So now Ugas has it. So now you're going to have Earl and Ugas. Okay, Ugas is going to get paid more. And Ugas is, even though he doesn't have a promoter, he fights on the, on the network with Fox. So Arrow has the inside track and built-in advantage. And so Errol's going to get that fight. It's going to be the biggest payday. And also the other thing is he knows whoever's fighting him is going to be their biggest payday. Yeah. So he's got the advantage over anybody. That's why Keith Thurman looks stupid. You know, Keith Thurman's saying, fight me first. Why would Ugas fight anybody before he fights Errol Spence? Because yeah. that's going to be his biggest payday. Right. So On the side of business. On the business side. So Errol has done, he, and he, to me, he still don't get enough credit. He's, he, he has not ducked people. He's fought top comp in his division. He's won the belts. And he's also aligned that with making the smart and proper business decisions. He never disrespected. And look, the whole time, he's never disrespected Terrence Crawford. He's saying what he said is, and this is what Buzz people are all emotion and no brain. He's saying, Bud Crawford, I like him. I actually like him. He's a great fighter. He's a phenomenal fighter. I think he's one of the top fighters. And when you ask Errol, hey, Errol, who's some of the top fighters at welterweight? He says him and Bud. So he gives Bud his respect. Yeah. Now, that's the fighting game. On the business side, he's like, well, I've made the better business decisions. I'm the bigger draw. You know, whether you like it or not, I'm in the market, Texas, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. And I have I've acquired a following, and, uh, and and my resume has people on it that has garnered me the attention and the fans that gives me the right. respect right. and the business savvy. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And, and, and on top of that, I won the belts and I got them. I got them. So so it's like you you know if you're Bud, if you anybody, you looking at it like, well, damn, I can't say he's doing a Ryan Garcia. He's not saying belts don't matter. I can't say he's doing a Tiafimo, Tiafimo, Ho Lopez, and he's ducking guys. You yeah. know, he fought Sean Porter. Nobody wants to fight Sean. Nobody signs up to fight Sean Porter. You know, they duck him as long as they can. 
they're ducking as long as they can. Now, there's only two guys who would probably call out Sean Porter because they're young and hungry and they're trying to be relevant. That's Jerron Ennis and maybe Virgil Ortiz. That's it. Nobody else is calling Sean Porter out. Not in none of his peers in terms of age group and where, and where they at in the sport. Nobody's calling Bud ain't calling them out. Bud's trying to not have that fight, obviously. So at the end of the day, you got to look the way Errol is moving and he's aligned being true to boxing and also being smart about the business. They're, they're, they're parallel. It makes sense. They're on the same level and that's why he's winning. You know, they, Bud people, oh, he look how he talk. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Look, it don't matter. He's making the right moves. What's unfortunate is Bud could have made all the same moves Errol did and actually done it better. I'm going to tell you why. And this is a problem with the, mid, with, with the Midwest as opposed to the coast sometimes. You in Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha is not a big market. It's home. Always love home, always rep home. Nigga, you got Chicago. If I'm Bud, why am I not getting with Al and some other local promoters? Why am I not fighting at the United Center? Why am I not fighting at, you know, all these, all these sports arenas in Chicago? Chicago, Bud is black. Chicago has a very large African-American population. Guess, guess what else Chicago doesn't have? Chicago doesn't have a high-level boxer out there on any level that holds a belt or is ranked to hell go get a belt that's branded Chicago. He could have slid right in saying, I'm Bud from Omaha, Nebraska. could have done that shit. Kansas. Yeah, I mean, but Chicago's the biggest market. True, very true, very true. And Chicago's a sports town. It has other sports franchises. Big, big time franchises. There's a lot of commerce here. There's a lot of business here. And Chicago is a major tier one media market. So again, business, he should have brought, you You always go home and do the fights and, and show love for where you're from, but go from a business side, he should have been doing it in this market, getting the exposure and then taking over Chicago as a champion and saying, well, yeah, I represent the entire Midwest. I'm from Omaha, but you know, I'm out of Chicago because Chicago's a mecca of the Midwest and this is what we do. And that's a large African-American population. He could have had, you, me, everybody else, if he'd have did that and then fought the fights, all of us would have been. I'm still a Bud Crawford fan. Don't get it twisted. And his girl, we would have been even bigger. His girl is from Chicago. Yeah. How you not fighting at these other these other arenas and then packing the United Center? Bud should be the shit in the entire Midwest, That's- and he could have been a shot caller. Because then it's like, okay, Errol, you got Jerry's world. You got Texas. You know, that's a big stadium, a lot of people. Nigga, I got Chicago. Chicago's a bigger market than Dallas. Yeah, well. It is. It's more money. That's the business acumen of those around him. So, yeah, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what that side of the tracks looks like where he has people involved doing those type of things for him. So, when it's getting left up to Bob Arum, Bob Arum really don't give a sh- give, give much of a shit, especially now with all the shit that's been talked. Uh, Bro, he could have did a fight. Look at this. He could have fought in Chicago. He could have fought in Detroit. Joe Lewis, right? Could have fought in Minnesota. Could have fought in Minneapolis. He could have fought in St. Louis. Yeah. You know, he 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 had he had his playground. It could have been ridiculous. Yeah. And then like during the during the pandemic, just pick the most uh weather friendly place to uh use in the Midwest, which would probably be somewhere lower. 
Midwest, but it would have worked out, you know. Hell, you could have went in Sean Porter's backyard and fought. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, that's some shit that ain't happened. All right, so yeah. moving on, who would you like to see fight in different divisions? As far as you can, uh, you can name, name. You got to name a division. So, what division you want to start? Uh, with? Uh, well, shoot, what division? All right, we'll start up at the top. Light heavyweight. I thought you were about to say heavyweight. Heavyweight, Deontay light, light Wilder. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, because uh, I don't really, I don't really see much in a uh, heavyweight division. I'm still gonna give love to him because I love him. Deontay Wilder versus anybody is that <laughs> heavyweight. I want to see it, man. I want to see Deontay back out there. But get, but get back to light heavyweight, not jump top. Oh, but let me say this though: like, what is my man's doing right now? You know what I mean? Like, he got I, fights coming up. He, he's supposed to be fighting Charles Martin. That's really? going to be coming up. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because I thought we were yeah. still, I thought he was still accusing uh, Mark Breland of poisoning his water and everything. Yeah. Th- th- you know, I, I whatever that is, whatever reasons he has, you know, that's that. But what I do know and what I want to focus on, regardless of, you know, the costume was too heavy or my water was poisoned, here's what's irrefutable Tyson Fury is a goddamn cheat. He does perform, he took PEDs and he, doc, he, he doctored his gloves. Anybody with common sense and two eyes can see that. So I don't want the focus to be lost. <laughs> People who don't understand what he says, he took PEDs. What he's saying is that after he won the belt, <clears throat> excuse me, after Tyson Fury won the belt against uh, one of the Klitschko brothers, he tested for PEDs. They're saying that he went on this whole tangent about uh, being depressed and uh, he was sick and all this other stuff. But it's what led up to him feeling depressed and feeling ashamed and everything. It felt like he wanted to die. It's because everybody found, well, not everybody, but people behind the scenes knew that he had tested positive for PEDs. You know, so yeah. you got guys out here doing whatever it takes to win. Then you got guys who are like Floyd Mayweather, the Charlos, uh, Roy Jones, guys who keep it very, very pure and clean cut. And they just go off of sheer aggression, will, and skill and athleticism to win fights. Uh, but yeah, back to light heavyweight division. Light heavyweight. Um, Arthur Betchabiev and Zerto Ramirez. Oh, that would be a good fight. Oh, that'd be an awesome fight. That that's the fight I want to see. Oh, that'd be a good fight. I I, I want to see that fight. Damn it, that's man. the fight I want to see. Zorro that he just he just had a fight. It wasn't against you know much you know like yeah. he, he did what he did like he did what he's supposed to. Lefty did what he's yeah. supposed to, but uh yeah, well, he has no promoter. He's not with a particular network. I think he did some on some streaming service. So yeah. you know he did, he did. Um, wow, that would be a that would be a really good fight. Yeah, that's the fight I want to see. Yeah, that would be a really good fight. I would like to see both the Russians, you know, or the Europeans duke it out too, though him and Bivol. Yeah, I mean, you got Bivol, but Bivol, um, does Bivol come, does he fight at 160, is he a champ at 168 too? Champ at 175. He's a champ at 175. I I know he would come down to 168. So yeah, um, but yeah, Zerto versus Arda Bitterbeev, I want to see that even more than Bivol versus Bitterbeev. That'd probably be my second fight I want to see, but I'd rather see Arda Bitterbeev versus Zerto. I would see, uh, look, Zerto against anybody, really. I don't Yeah. That's a big but better be of because better be of is a killer. He's aggressive. He's a big puncher. And he's nasty. Um, 
And Zerto was just relentless, punches and bunches. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. So it's like, you know, uh, 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 what, do they, what do they call it? Uh, unstoppable. Unstoppable force. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, unmovable object. Yeah. You know, B-Ball is, 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 you know, is a, is a really good fighter. He's got that classic style. And, boxer, you know, and yeah. He's a, a boxer puncher, uh, more of a boxer. And it'll be a good fight, but just a different fight. I just think we're going to get more action out of a Zerto and better B-Air fight than we would a B-Ball fight. Woo-wee. Yeah, that's going to be a smoking fight. They're they, they, they going to they gonna smoke each other's boots on, on that one. That's a mm-hmm. fact. That is a known fact. All right, moving down, let's say 168. Um, 168, I'd like to see David Benavidez versus Canelo Alvarez. God willing, that'll actually uh, take place. But the way Canelo has his whole European tour set up, I don't think we'll be seeing that anytime yeah. soon. That, that, that's the biggest fight. And I love Caleb Plant. I know he did great numbers on viewership with Fox. But from a, I always put the two together. What makes the most, what's the biggest fight and the best fight to watch from the sporting perspective and business-wise, what's the biggest fight that can be made? That's, that's the best fight with, with, the, with putting those two things together. There, there are no other champions, right? Because Canelo Cherry picked the two belts, right? Well, it, it, it's Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders, and Caleb Plant. He's a steroid. He's a PED user too. Yeah, he's a PED user as well. Yep. So I mean, well, well, and that, hold on, in that instance, we can say, you know, his new nickname, Clanello, you know, Canelo. <laughs> is, so look, is, is you, got, you, got, so. you got you got you got two steroid using motherfuckers about to fight in May. Mm-hmm. Ain't that a, ain't that about something? Good job, Canelo. Yeah. You 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 put that together well, man. Yeah, the thing is, okay, at first you say, well, how do you justify fighting UK fighters? Well, I'm trying to build my brand. Okay, so I can see if you're fighting over in the UK. Yeah. You're bringing these UK fighters over here to America. Yeah. So to me, that's like a double duck. Yeah. So Why it, are you bringing UK you know, fighters? It, yeah. You're going to lose a fan base uh, doing that type of shit because people are going yeah, like, to fight this guy. Yeah, and people in the UK, because they're six, seven hours, six hours ahead, they're not watching their UK fighter fight in the States. They, they may watch the replay or the recording, but they're not watching it live. So Especially when it's not a big fight. Especially if it's not a big fight. And even if it is a big fight, it's not going to happen. If it's a big fight with a UK fighter, it'll mostly happen in the UK because if they do it later on in the UK, people will watch it in the, you know, later afternoon here in the States. But nobody's going to have a fight at 10 o'clock at night here and then in the UK at four, you're not going to be out watching the fight at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's just like you Monday know, morning there or some shit, right? Yeah, it's this shit ain't good. It's just, yeah, Sunday morning. It's just not going, it's not going to work, man. So yeah. that's why he's so full of it. Do you remember any of the uh, stats from his fight, Tyson Fury's fight with uh, Wilder? It was huge. It, 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 <clears throat> it, it did big numbers. I, yeah. I forget, I don't know exactly, but it did big numbers. I know, I know that did. Oh, I know that did. Yeah, oh, that shit huge numbers. Yeah, yeah, huge. Uh, all right. So you said Benavides versus Canelo. I got, I got Benavides. Oh, I got Benavides too. Okay, okay. Oh, I didn't say who I had at light heavyweight in that fight. I would, 
I don't know. That's 50-50. I think I would rather see both of them knock each other out. WWF shit or WWE shit, but somebody got to win. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know in that situation. That's 50-50. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely a 50-50 fight. Um, yeah, Benavidez stops Canelo. Um, I would say about a 10th round. About 10? Yeah. Okay, I, I was going to say 11. I, I say 10 because um, it's going to be very obvious for Canelo that he will not be able to survive unless he takes chances because Dave is not a guy who – David is not the type of fighter who backs up. And even if you do try to back him up, which you're really not, then he's setting, laying, setting a trap for you. And – the way Benavidez lets his hands go and the way he can throw punches and bunches and his combinations, they're so creative and his hand speed. All the Canelo's, what he was doing, all these other guys looking good, like his defense is like, you know, Floyd Mayweather, like, which it isn't. Impenetrable. Yeah, it, 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 it looks good because he's fighting guys who don't have the skill set to put the leather on him regardless of what he does. Benavidez will throw a lot of leather, leather and land it on Canelo. No matter where it lands, it's going to land. And he has a very good jab. Let's not forget. And he has a phenomenal jab. I think David Benavidez, um, you know, him only because of his physical attributes, I say he has the best jab. I think technically speaking, Caleb Plant's jab is right there too. But because Benavidez is just a longer, taller, bigger man, um, I I give him a slight edge because obviously – He's got an educated jab, and it's just a longer and stiffer jab. So I'm just going to give it to Benavidez. So, yeah. He's like six, what, six, two, six, three? Sit so like six, two and a half, six, two. I'm yeah. going to say six, three because, you know, I remember Paul Williams and Kelly Pavlik, they would say that those guys were like six, one or mm-hmm. six, two. And then when you see actually see them, they were like six, four. They were, they were really big dudes. Um, yeah. Salute to Paul Williams, the Punisher. Uh, so then we go 160. 160, Jamal <laughs> Charlo. <laughs> oh, man. Jamal Charlo and Canelo and, and Clanello. Quit acting like you a natural 168 fighter. Quit acting like you can't make 160. Quit acting like you didn't duck and run and come to 160 and fight Jamal Charlo. That's the fight I want to see. That's 1A. 1B would be Clonello and Demetrius Andrade if he could lose about 60 pounds and get his mind right and stop, you know, whining and thinking about retiring. Wait, so he he, 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 he done bloated up like that? Oh, yeah, he put on a lot of weight, yeah. He he ain't like in his situation, but you signed the fucking DAZN, man. Yeah, well, he put it, he got put in the trick bag by Slick Eddie, by Fast Eddie, of signing with the zone, thinking That's he was going to – see, he thought he was going to have an inside track to Canelo, and he didn't, he, he didn't evaluate Canelo. He evaluated the promoter. He, he looked at the obvious stuff, right? The stuff, he, he, didn't, he didn't dig deeper and say, well, what type of fighter is Canelo? Canelo's a ducker. So just because you're on the same platform as he, he's on, you think he's going to stop ducking? No. Only reason, only reason it makes sense to go over to that to the same network or same promotional outfit is if you know the guys willing to fight you because then the fight is easier to make. 
So like a bud, if bud is, is done with top rank and he really wants to fight Earl, Earl, then obviously he should sign with PBC. It makes the, it, the fight is easier to make and Earl will fight him. So that would make sense. But Andre going to the zone made absolutely no sense it, it, at all. The only thing that I saw that made that somewhat enticing was the fact, the fact that it was a new market over there. Um, it was a fresh, a fresh start, a fresh brand. They had gave Canelo like three hundred million dollars or whatever for the for these for the deal that he had. But that was the only thing that I saw. I didn't see anything else in that situation that said, "Hey, man, this is the place to be as far as making money, right. good fights and big fights." There was no one over there. Right. Who did they? They had no one on their roster. The whole see, time. See, that's another reason. But see, Boo Boo getting a pass too. See, he think he's slick. He signed over there because he knew it wasn't no other comp over there. So he knew he was going to be fighting a bunch of tomato cans before he did the Bud move. Bud stayed with top rank. Bud knew it wasn't, Bud knew it wasn't no comp at 147 at top rank. Why are you going over there? He knew this. You got what you got. And now y'all right. sit and so did, Yeah, it, exactly. And so you, Andre, you know Matchroom and the zone had nobody at 160 pounds. Why are you signing over there? Why? He signed over there because to me, you don't, you, you talking good, but you don't want the smoke. If you wanted the smoke, you would have went over there. Because trust me, Jamal will fight you, but nobody's about to go through all the politics and the nonsense of dealing with Eddie Hearn and these networks. What, is the fight gonna be on the zone? Is the fight gonna be on Showtime? Is it gonna be on Fox? Nobody wants to deal with all that nonsense, dude. Yeah, like Bud, but you you resign with you re up with top rank. Why did you re up with top rank? Why for what fight? For what fight over top rank? What, and we've said what? This, we've said this plenty of times. Floyd, Cotto, Pacquiao have all left Bob Arum after yeah. Bob Arum after dealing with them for, dealing with him for it, some, it, a certain period of time. Exactly. Now you think Errol gonna leave Al and leave Fox? No. So of course he isn't. So he got in his ego. He got in his ego instead of looking at it from a business perspective and using common sense. Common sense, Errol's not leaving. If I stay with top rank, top rank is signed, is affiliated with ESPN. Now, not only does that make the fight more difficult to make, but also you're going to make less money. You're going to make less money because now you got two different promoters haggling over their cut. You got two different networks haggling over their cut. Nigga, that's less money for you. Like, that's dumb. He should have took his behind over there to PBC and he could have went over there and taken the crown from Earl. He could have did that. And the whole thing would have been his. So to me, when people say, well, who really wanted that fight? I'm going to say this right now. And all the Bud people can hear this. Bud didn't want that fight. He didn't. I'm starting to feel the same way. Like, and, and this is the other part of it, the business side. I feel like because these dudes are signed to the zone and uh, flop tank, that they signed over there, and now that they're so used to getting a certain percentage of money up front, that that's all they're looking at. Errol just told y'all last year, the year before that, the back end is where I get where you really get the money. Yeah, and, and that's no excuse for Bud because if you are on the same level with Errol, and you 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 are who you say you are, you are who you think you are. You don't think you're gonna get you don't think Al Hamer is gonna get you paid. You don't think you can sell on Fox. Like what what are you what are you doing? Here's a here's the other part that I think needs to be said too. If it was me, I would take the forty percent. Of course, I would. I would definitely take the forty percent. Let me I'm say this: because forty percent is bigger than what the other what the other fights you were probably getting anyway. It's just like the Tyson Fury Wilder fight. 
you think that 40% for Tyson Fury walking away with 30, 40 million wasn't good? And that's the problem. I'm glad you said this. That's a problem in our community when it comes to business. We want to be Dr. Lawyer, Indian Chief, and we want to always focus on, we want to hear the number, but we don't focus on the context of the number. So, okay, I want 90%. Okay, you can have 90% and there's $100. You got $100. But if somebody said, I'm going to give you 2% of a billion dollars, do you, you gonna take that 2% of a billion or are you gonna take that 90% of $10? Which one is more money? And, and, and but see, that, that, that's what you, so yeah, if his fight with Errol is a, let's say it's a $70 million fight. Woo. All right. Let's even say it was just a $50 million fight. I think it's more than that, but let's say it's a $50 million. Let's say it's a $50 oh, yeah, million dollar fight. I was thinking 100 easily. So, 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 so I'm just, I'm being extremely conservative here just to show you. So if you took that and said it was $50 million to fight Earl Spence and you got 40%, that is five times to six to seven, eight times more than you got paid or whatever larger percentage you got fighting whoever you fought with top rank. Why would you pass on that? And, and when I'm and saying what, 100 million, I'm saying, let's just say it's $100 million in the pot. You got yeah. investors, whoever it yeah. was, they put $100 million in the pot. They said, make yeah. that happen, make that happen, make that happen. Live yeah. gate, streaming, all that shit. Pay-per-views, all that stuff. Closed circuit, when you, after the pandemic is over, you got closed circuit. All that all that revenue, the merch, all of that stuff, it probably would come up to about $100 million. I agree. Or yeah, or more. So now you're talking about getting 40% of that. I mean, 40% of $100 million is $40 million. $40 million, guy. So, so now let's go as... Your whole career, that's half of your career, your whole career with Aaron. Yeah, in one fight. So that's why to not take that deal makes sense because it's the ego. Now, what he's not thinking is, he's thinking, okay, I don't want him to still say, even if I beat him, he made more money, so he ultimately won. No, because it's boxing, it's a business. There's going to be a rematch. Absolutely. Now, in that, in that rematch, who do you think is going to get to 60 and who's going to get to 40? Shit changes, man. Like, what and, and, and that's and that's why he's not thinking. And this is the problem with feelings. People get in their feelings and they don't it's think. It's and it's the ego. Get out your feelings. It's boxing. It's a sport and it's a business. You don't feel it. You think it. So that's that's what he should have done. I mean, what's crazy enough is that he could still do it. Absolutely. But I tell you this much. It ain't gonna be forty percent if Arrow gets the Ugas fight and wins that belt. Yeah, I, I think me and you had a discussion about that this week or last week. And yeah. I was like, yo, bro, I, I think if he gets the Ugas fight, well, now he's gonna get the Ugas fight. He probably is gonna smash Ugas up something nice, or he's gonna just box him all day, and then that fight's probably gonna turn into a twenty-five percent pot. Yeah, I was gonna say, Arrow may say seventy-five, twenty-five, but it may end up being seventy, thirty. Yeah, yeah. But at that point, again, out of three belts, out of four belts, I have three. Yeah. So why would I offer you anything more? I got I got the bigger numbers. I'm the bigger star. Yes. Big, I'm the number one boxer. I'm the yes. number one rep, number one most revenue gaining uh, uh, boxer with the highest revenues. Like, what leverage do you have over me? You Nothing. have none. You lost. You, you, you lost. You know. And so when he got caught up, and, and Errol, you know, he sounds slow in country, but he playing mind games on Bud. And what he got under Bud Skin when he said, he, 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 you know, it could be 60-40 or he, he could take whatever I give him. See, he ain't like that comment. 
Oh, he you can, he can take what I heard all those people going on. He what do you mean? What do what, what, what he talking about? He can take whatever ego. he can. Ego, get out your ego, bro. It's business. He it's it's all a negotiation. Man, people you know? don't understand that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I listen to anybody that's listening. A hundred million dollars in a pot, and the person says, "I give you forty percent of it." You wouldn't take forty percent of a hundred million dollars yeah. in one fight, yeah. like Ugas right now. That's going to be a 70-30 fight with him and Ugas, right? Now, Keith Thurman is coming out talking about, hey, fight me. Number one, I'm not going to fight you because it's too much risk and it's not, it's not a big reward. Number two, it's not going to make as much money. Number three, yeah, you, you can say we can fight and it can be 50-50 or it, it can even be 60-40, but 50-50 of what? 60-40 of what? So if him and Ugas is only a $15 million fight or a $20 million fight, do I want 60% or 50% of that? Or would I rather have 30% you know, of a you know, $50 million fight or whatever it, is, it ends up being? And if, if Errol, if I'm smart, I tell Al, I get the investors, put up the money. Do not put the Ugas fight on pay-per-view. No, put the Ugas, not put, put the Ugas fight on regular Fox. And here's why Errol should do it. And this is why this would be a, this 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 literally is not, this, this is literally checkmate. He already did check, but this would be checkmate. And when I mean checkmate, I don't, he already checkmated Bud. This is a checkmate on Clamella. The checkmate is if I'm on Fox, those numbers are going to be through the roof. So he said, okay, bam, you know my numbers on pay-per-view, they're solid. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to go on Fox. He's going to have at least six, seven, eight million views easily. I, I think it's going to blow that away if he fights on Fox. So now you couple his, his pay-per-view track record with the regular Fox views. And then you go into the next big fight that's a bigger pay-per-view. He's going he, to use the regular network to help promote and increase his pay-per-view numbers. In Texas. And it's probably going to be yeah. 12,000 fa uh, fans there. It's going to be more than that. I mean, because when he fights Ugas, that's probably going to be late spring, early summer. You know, you're going to, I mean, the restrictions, number one day in Texas, Texas restrictions are pretty low anyway. That's what I'm saying, but I think they only let do that. I think Jerry's world, he'll probably be like, yo, I'll, we'll do 12, between 12. I, 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 I think Jerry's world, by that, by the time they fight, would allow 30, 40, 50,000 fans. Because I'm going to tell you what Jerry's going to do. I'm going to tell, tell you exactly what they're going to do and what the setup is going to be. That's why they're doing these mass vaccinations everywhere. Oh, if you can prove you've been vaccinated, come on in. Yeah. Then we can, if you, what they, what they, they're not going to set a number. What they're going to say is if you've been vaccinated, bless you. Thank if you've been vaccinated, you're good. So let's ask, let's ask, let me ask you this question. Do you think in three, four months, at least 100,000 people will be vaccinated who will go to a fight in the, that will be in Texas? Of course there will be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be people from Texas. It's going to be people traveling from other places, too. So I, I, I expect it to be a full house. And Texas is going to show up, and they're going to show and, up. And they're going to show up, and it's going to be ridiculous. And what they're going to do is health and safety protocols, everything's safe. Everybody here has had to prove they've been vaccinated. That's what's going to happen, bro. Watch it. Man, I, and I agree. I would put that shit on regular Fox. Let, let the world or whoever can see it around America Mm -hmm. Continental United States. I will let mm -hmm. them see that fight. 
And exactly. because the Latino community would show up for one of their own Cuban uh, top top talents or top prospects from Cuba. Yeah. Definitely. I would definitely do that, man. It would be and if I'm movie. Earl, I show Ugas. I'm going to tell you if I'm Earl, I do a super duper authentic but politics move. I'll be like, see, this is, you know, Ugas is a traditional Latino fighter you know, a great Cuban fighter. I give him his respect. I make sure that people hear his story, how he grabbed it out the mud. I would push, I would elevate him. Build that shit That's going to make him feel good. That's going to make Latinos feel good. And, they and, then, when, and then when Errol, they're going to combine that. And then when Errol beats him and shows respect, give me that. Ugas's fans will become fans of Earl. Doesn't mean they're never gonna stop like Ugas, but exactly. They won't. But give me that. Give me right. that. So, so now, so now you take that and you put that in against a fight with Earl and anybody, and then you tell Earl's story. Earl's story could be the first gym I started training out of was a Mexican gym, was a Latino gym. That's how he learned how to do that body work. That's how I learned how to do the body work. See that? See that's what he can throw a little. Kind of the marketing of Floyd, but it's actually a little bit more authenticity to it because of his actual real story. Actual shit, instead of like the, the uh, flash and, uh, and you, all you that. You tie that in with Ugas, who is an Afro-Latino. And right. I'm telling you, th this has a major opportunity to, to be bigger than what people would think it would be, Absolutely. especially if it's on Fox. Absolutely. And you're you you doing it in Texas. Especially Ooh. if you got guys like Jamie over here marketing that shit. Man, I can market. Look, <laughs> hey, Errol, I'll give me a call. Look, I'll market the hell hey, out of that. Put me in that room, Jack. I got hey, ideas. Hey, hey, Matt. Hey, I got some ideas. We can pull that. The merch will be out out of control. I would literally theme that out. You know, grab it out. We you know grab it out the mud. I would have hands coming out the mud. You know, one from Cuba, one from Texas, yep. and we're gonna make we're gonna do some big things and make something happen. Yep. And they're both black fighters. Yes. And I think that that's how I will promote it. That's another reason why I have it on regular Fox, because you got two black champions and you connect them to diaspora and you saying, hey, winner take all here. And it would be love. It wouldn't be like no hate or no shit like that. Shit and it ain't no hate because the thing is, he genuinely respects Ugas. See, he respects Ugas. So I think he's going to show Ugas love. He's going to show him respect. And that's what he should do. And that's how he is going to get a large, increase his fan base, especially amongst Latinos. It's important that he's going to show that he shows respect. So I think he does that. He'll elevate Ugas. You'll hear Ugas' story about how he came out of Cuba, the conditions with Cuba. Everybody knows Errol's story. But then I would retell the story about how he got into boxing and how he, you know, people always talk about my body, my body work. Hey, I got to give much credit to, you know, my Latino brothers and sisters. You know, I came up out of this gym, blase, blase. And, and it's authentic. Virgil Ortiz and all them, they know Errol. They've been knowing Errol forever. That's why Errol tells story. Yeah, they know who he is. They fuck with him. So Errol need to tap into that. And then he can really genuinely open up that market. All right. So for those who don't know, that's Jamie's shit, marketing and everything. Um, let's, let, I, I want to ask you this. What does Errol look like at 154? If you could just picture it. I see Marvin Hagler. I, I see Hagler. I see Hagler all, all day, every day. Actually, I see even more seek and destroy at 154 because he's not cutting as much weight. You know, right now, Errol is at the point to where he's still cutting into muscle. It's not, I mean, he, he, he makes the weight, he, he makes the weight, 
but it's different when you cutting water weight or a little excess body fat. When you look at him, it ain't no body fat. It ain't yeah. no water. And it's muscle reduction. You can tell by the way he rehydrates. Look, he already admitted, like, when I'm done after my fight, I want cheeseburgers and greasy food. He said, yeah. hey, don't bring, he said, I think after one fight, he said, don't bring me a cheeseburger if the bag ain't greasy. Yeah, I think he'll have more power at 154, and I think he'll have more stamina at 154. Do you see him getting all the belts or just maybe a couple? I don't see him getting all the belts. I see him getting a, maybe one, two at the most. And I'm saying that to say this too. Let's remove male, male Charlo. Out, out yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That has to be up to 160, and it's just mm-hmm. girl at 154. And you look at that landscape. You don't think that he could get all four? No, I think he can get the same belts that male got. Okay. But we all know. Oh, that's right. Be, see, ah, Tashera. See, they, you know, come they on out to play Tashera. Give up that come belt, on, bro. man. It ain't gonna happen. Don't bro. make us come to Brazil, bro. Nah, he in the he in the he in the witness protection program, the CIA one. You know, cause CIA handle everything international. You know, he in the he in the witness protection program, bro. He, Damn it, you man! Ain't, you ain't, come on, man. Oscar De La Hoya, man, get out that cocaine and all that bullshit, bro. Bring them fighters out to play. They want some action over here. Well, when, when's the last time you heard anything with Tashira fighting anybody? Nothing. He's not even fighting. He's not even fighting. And that's the crazy part because he's not fighting and he's still holding on to a belt. And they just had Manny Pacquiao get rid of uh, get rid of the fucking belt. Or not get rid of it, return the belt, release the belt. Well, no, he wasn't. Well, no, he wasn't for it wasn't forfeited. What he done was he was he was called um champion in recess. And Ugas was elevated. So Tashera, they're gonna drag it all the way out to the end so they get worn. And then he's gonna fight a tomato can and call it a mandatory and extend his time even longer. They're gonna hold that belt hostage. Yeah, so to answer your question, yeah. Oscar yeah, so, owns Ring Magazine too, if you don't know that shit. For those yeah. who are listening, if you don't know it, he owns Ring Magazine. So when you see these ducks on the cover, when you see these fighters who ain't really, you know, what we as actual boxing enthusiasts and lovers of boxing and people who actually boxed before, what we really know, those guys are over there running that ship and they're able to do that. That's why you see ESPN glorifying guys like that because they're all tied in. Excuse me, they're all tied in with one another. So that's some bullshit. I forgot all about that, bro. Damn, I forgot about the sheriff. What belt is that? Is that WBO or WBA? That is, I believe, the WBO. That's the belt that people have always said, man, fuck that belt. That is the belt exactly. people have always said, fuck that belt. Yep, that's the belt the bug got. <laughs> and right, it makes so, sense because that's the belt bug got from Jeff Horn. So we go from, what's that? What's that, 150? That's one... Wait, what the fuck? We was, we was supposed to be at 160, man. We don't went all the way down to 147. We we, no, we said we said 160. We said Maul versus Clamello. Or yeah. we said and, I Andre still, I versus still, Clamello. I would still like to see Maul versus Andre. I would like to see that. But the only thing is, is I don't think he wanted that fight because he didn't want it with Mel at 154. He backed out the fight or whatever had happened. Yeah, he didn't want it, man. I mean... Damn it, man. I would love to see that fight. I would love to see it from a competitive standpoint. Um, yeah, but I would still rather see Clanello and Maul. 
And I still rather see Clonello and Andrade. And the reason why I want to see those fights over Andrade or and the Charlos is because Clonello ducked both of them. Facts. 150 so I, 160. Yeah. And when I mean duck, you know, Andrade and Charlo just haven't come to an arrangement, but they weren't, there was no mandatory or next up. There was no mandate for them to fight. There was a mandate for Canelo to fight Andre. Yeah, there was did. a mandate for, for Canelo to fight Charlo, Jamal, and he didn't. He ducked. So that's why I want to see those two fights and at he, 160. He dropped, he dropped the belts at both weight classes, so he didn't fight. Yeah, he dropped, he dropped them both. Yep, sure did. So at 154, who, who, who would you like to see? At 154, I would like to see Jermail Charlo versus Sebastian Fundora. Okay. Oh, the six foot six guy. The Man. six foot six oddity. <laughs> I want to see it, bro. I just oh, want to see it. And, 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 and you know why I want to see it. You know why I want to see it. Because you know Fundora got that long, lanky, stiff arm strength. I want to see Mel slip inside and do Joe Frazier. I want to see Joe Frazier. That's what I want to see. I want to see the. I think that's the fight we would get. Yeah. I think that's the I fight want, we would get. I want to see that, and I want to see the left hook that connects with the temple, and I want to see the tree fall, because that's exactly what would happen. It's going to be uh, – I think that would be ugly. I don't even want to see that. No, I'm cool. I want to see it, bro. I want to see Jermail Charlo versus Sebastian Fundora at 154. That's what I, I want to see. cool on that shit. I do not want to see that fight. I, I believe that's a fight where, where Jermail Charlo gets to go fucking crazy. Cause it's gonna yeah, start. Because, out, it's gonna start out. He's gonna have to warm up and get used to seeing that shit. Yeah. And then I think once his motor gets going, he's gonna be like, "Yo, I'm about to fucking go ape shit." Well, it's gonna fit perfectly with what he wants to do. Yes. Because with a guy with that type of reach advantage at 84 inches, you can't jab your way in, right? You can't jab your way in. You have to seek and destroy. So I, that's right yeah, up Joe his Frazier. alley. That's exactly. Call Joe Frazier, Mike Tyson, shit. Slipping, mm -hmm. getting in. Yep, getting in. That's what it is. Yeah. Eating that motherfucker body up. Oh. It, 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 it ain't no, I'm going to find this angle to shut cut, cut down the reach. There's no, I'm going to jab my way in. There's none of that. It's slip, duck and slip, get inside, tear the body up, and then go upstairs. Yeah, and I think that's at some is. point, I think at some point, the overhand right is going to drop in there, and it's going to be mm -hmm. nasty. It's going to be nasty. After the body you know does yeah. take effect. It's gonna be a nasty overhand right waiting. Yeah. Waiting in the background. You know, get to the body, get him to lean over a little bit. You know, boom. You know, shoot one upstairs, get inside, shoot one upstairs, left hook to the body, you know, double left hook, left hook to the body, left hook upstairs to finish him. I I you know, I can see it. I want to see that fight. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see that. So uh, or, or if he or if he can't get inside and Fundora impresses us and pulls out a Zerto Ramirez and he just starts firing off. All these different punches with that crazy reach and keeps Mel on the outside. That could be interesting to watch too. He would have to. He, I think he would have to box his ass off. He would definitely have to box his ass off for that fight. Yeah, I think. I, so I still like J Rock Julian Williams at, at one fifty four. I know he got knocked out by the older brother. But uh, I, I love. I love J Rock. I just think the more exciting fight to watch. Is I want to see that. Cause <laughs> I think it would be two technically skilled guys. I would love to see just a boxing match going there. And I, I just think the aggression of male might overtake that that uh, contest. Because it would end the same. It would end the same way it did with Jamal. J Rock getting knocked out eventually. J Rock may be winning most of the rounds at some point, 
but Mel would get to him and knock him out. I think, but I think it would be a beautiful. I think it would be more of the Sugar Ray Leonard Thomas Hearns fight. I think it would be something yeah. like that. Mel is a big dude too, man. He ain't small yeah. at all. That ain't both no, he, them some big motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I don't. I'm gonna skip 147 because we already know who wants to see what there. Yeah. Uh, one one forty. That's a crop. One forty. Uh, the fight we're gonna get that fight. Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez. Oh yeah, that's right. When when is that? I think they're gonna fight in May. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Josh should, Taylor, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, that should, should be a good fight. Uh, I salute to Josh Taylor because a lot of people didn't know or think that he was as good as he is, and I was like, "Yo, this dude, this dude got something." He got something. He got an engine, and he, and he comes to fight. My only take is that I don't know if he'll be able to sustain punish, punishment with a guy like yeah. Jose Ramirez on top of, excuse me, on top of him all all day or all night. Yeah, the the, the key to that fight is real simple. Um, Josh Taylor can box his ass off. I, he will actually outbox Jose Ramirez. He's the better boxer. I think he's gonna fight but, him, bro. But 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 here's the thing: when you go against Jose Ramirez. You have to fight at some point. He's going to make you fight. Yes. So what we're going to find out about Josh Taylor is we know he can box. We're going to find out if he can fight. And then the other thing is we're going to find out if he can fight back because he's going to get hit. And it's, he's going to take punishment to the body. He may take some upstairs, but we got to see if he can then take that and then fight back. That's what we're going to find out. What we're going to find out about Jose Ramirez is, is it – is it still the same old he's coming through with strictly will? Yeah. Is it still, is he willing his way or has he elevated his game to where eventually he's going to come through with some skill? And the reason why that's important is. Toolbox. What, he, is, what is he having a toolbox? Yeah. He, he can will his way and be the unified champion at 140, but his will won't be strong enough to do that if he wants to move up at 147. Now, the one fight that Bud does have is Jose Ramirez wants to if he wins he's going to vacate and move up to 147 and he said he said he wants bud crawford he's called bud out so he's called him out for a year so that would be a good fight but i'll tell you this much if we don't see some skill out of jose ramirez to get to josh taylor if it's just all i take a bunch of hits but he can't hurt me and then i'm gonna will my way in and and i'm gonna outwill him that ain't gonna work against bud hell no and that ain't gonna work against actually most of the guys at one forty seven. No. So try that um, shit with Sean Porter. Try it. Yeah, try that shit with Sean Porter. Try that shit with Earl. You'll get hurt. You're walking. Try that shit with Bud. Um, try that shit with Boots Ennis. You know, like the outcome, him. Yeah, it, it ain't gonna work. So this is a big fight for both of these guys because both of them want to move up to one forty seven, and Josh Taylor has to prove that he can fight and fight back. And then Jose Ramirez has to prove that though he's always going to be the real tough, rugged guy that has this amazing, you know, will, can he blend in enough skill with it, you know, to, 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 to uh, offset the, the skill margin that he would be against fighting a guy like a Bud Crawford or Earl Spence. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then because of his will, you match that with some more skill to execute his game plan. If we can see that side of it, then he he, he might be a, a, wor a very worthy opponent at a championship level at 147. 
if I were Josh Taylor and I were and I was listening, I would be working on speed and conditioning. Speed, conditioning, endurance, and strength. Those are the things that I would work on. Yeah, I would definitely be working on those things. I would also be working on my power. Because the I one thing about yeah, yeah, strength. Because the one thing about Jose Ramirez, if you don't hurt him, he's gonna keep coming. You're gonna so be Josh Taylor. Yeah. He, he, Jose Ramirez is there to be hit. He gets hit a lot with clean shots. So if you get your clean shot, can you hurt him? Yeah. You know, and I think that's the problem Jose is going to run into when he gets to 147. Because if he gets get hit cleanly by guys like Earl or Bud or the guys like a Boots, he'd get knocked out. Because yeah. those guys have and power. Probably Josh Taylor, too. I would, you, you have to understand the part where if you do hit him clean and he keep coming, don't even worry about it. Just know that you can do it. Have the realization that, oh, I can't hit him. I can't hit him clean and just work and work on in the fight. Just work on doing that shit, setting that shit up and getting him cleanly. But make well, sure that you yeah. work on your conditioning, your uh, your strength and your speed, because that's that's going to be a fight. That's going to be a also, fight. And I saw the yeah. fight that he had. I think he I think he fought Regis Prograde and they were just yeah, teeing, that was a great fight. That was a they great were just fight. teeing off that. on one another. And I was like, dude, he could have actually done better than that by just boxing. Uh. By boxing region, region didn't give us. Region didn't give us like this all-out effort where it was just like total skill. He was just he stood in the pocket and took punches. Yeah, and you know why? Because which is what makes me wonder about this Ramirez Taylor fight. But Ramirez is more rugged and durable than than, 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 uh, Rougarou. Um, It made me think that Josh Taylor has some sort of power because it kept it kept. Pro grade from being overly aggressive, yes, and coming in there, you know, yes. it's like people talk about Floyd. Oh, he, yo, he don't have no power. He had enough power to keep guys from wanting to just walk in on him and getting hit. Yes, he kept guys honest. Exactly. So I think, look, Ramirez has a probably the best chin at one forty. I would say, but what I would say is, even guys with great chins, <clears throat> and this is what scared Canelo when fighting Floyd. Why he didn't rush in? Because Floyd didn't put no sauce on it but he was hitting Canelo with shots that Canelo didn't see. And it's the shots you don't see the ones that can hurt you. And so Taylor has to figure out the sweet science of, yeah, Ramirez sees punches and he takes them very well when he sees them, but I got to hit him and put some on his mind, hit him with punches that he doesn't see coming and make him overly cautious, make him think in the rain. Yeah. He's got to make Jose think. And Jose That's what he has to small do. dude either. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11". No, Jose's, yeah, Jose's, I think, 5'9 and a half. He, he, him and Errol Spence are the same size. Really? Okay, I thought he yeah, was 5'10", 5'11". No, he's like 5'. They're both like 5'9 and a half. All right, so now we get to the division where they call it Four Kings. It ain't no Four Kings, man. It's, I, don't, it's, I don't see that. I see two. I see two kings and two queens. That's what I see. <laughs> I never thought about that part. I never thought about it. Okay, so the ultimate of that is who out that group at 135? I'm sorry. I see two kings, one queen, and one court jester. Mm. The court jester is Ryan Garcia because he's, you know, making a mockery of himself, calling Tank out, then not taking it, being on social media, you know, talking about everything but boxing. Let me, say this, you, the queen. Let me say this before you go uh, further. These guys are very young, and I don't think they even understand the history and everything else behind boxing. I don't think they get it like some of us get it. They don't really get the shit. So they trying to take everybody's mind off the whole actual boxing dynamic when this shit is boxing. This is what you signed up for. So but go, go, go ahead. 
No, I agree with you. It's a sport. Um, Tank and Devin are the real deal. <clears throat> they want to fight. Tiafimo is a queen because he's more interested in the politics than he is in giving out the punishment. Because I think he's scared of taking punishment. And that's why I think he plays the politics. Um, or I like to call them politics. Yes. Uh, Ryan Garcia is a court jester. He's very young. He's caught up in social media fame. He's caught up in all this other stuff where he's distracted, you know, you know, the, the, the arguing with, with Jake Paul and all these other guys, these YouTubers. And his mind is on being a, 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 a celebrity and being popular. And it's not why he's extremely talented and has a lot of raw ability that I can easily see. Be like, if he dedicated himself to just fighting, I would put Ryan Garcia right there with Devin Haney and Tank Davis because the natural raw ability is there. I see it with my own two eyes. Yeah. What I question is, is what's here and here. When I say here, not that he, you know, he can get up from a knockdown, but is it in his heart to really be, to do this? Yeah, to be is a boxer. Not to get be up, a boxer. Get up, yeah, not get up from yeah. down. Like, no, no, he, no, he's no punk. He, anybody yeah. that gets in the ring, that gives punches and takes punches yeah. and takes those type of chances, nobody is a punk like that. Nobody's soft like that. They're all grown men and they deserve our respect and admiration for getting in there and taking those chances. Absolutely. What I mean is, is it in his heart to, to, to be a fighter, to be a boxer? Um, I, I don't know if that's the case for him. I think he's still distracted. He's got a lot, lot going on and he's more focused on, you know, how many followers he has than how many belts he has. Yeah. So because of that, that's why I call him the court jester. Devin Haney and Tank Davis uh, are the real deal. And another guy who is still not getting credit, sometimes he can act like a court jester, but his skills in the ring and his tenacity says otherwise is Chris Colbert, little B-hop. He he really does deserve to be in this conversation. That's is that one that he's one thirty or one thirty five? Oh, one thirty five. He's one thirty five. Give him give him time though, bro. Give him time. Yeah, give him time. I give him. Three. Did you see that fight? Did you see that fight against Arboleda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I I. So let me say this about that fight. It went the way I thought it was going to go, but, but he played around too much. I agree. He played a little bit, but the thing about it was is I expected Arboleta to give more resistance than he, than he did. And I think it was just the, the attitude and the boxing acumen of Chris Colbert that kept him, that kept him busy. You know, he was trying to, he was trying to crowd the kid and he was trying to like box him and beat on him and, and Chris wasn't going. And then in those later rounds, you saw Chris change it up and he started sitting down on punches. Yeah. He started hurting him. The difference in the fight was he hurt him. And, and, and once you hurt a guy, you know, like Mike Tyson said, you know, it, it all seems good until you get punched in the face. Yeah. So once he got punched in the face and he realized it hurt, it changed his whole mentality. That's why, you know, Arboleda likes to come for, he's a pressure fighter. Absolutely. Once he, once he got hit, he didn't want to get hit hard anymore. And he, he backed off. But he, he did, but it's when Chris actually planted he planted his feet and he's, i was like oh, oh he really he, he really trying to hurt him yeah and i was like oh yeah. shit yeah he is he once broke him down yeah once he yeah, started he busting him up. him up i was like yeah all right it's, it's a wrap now and then they went back to the corner and he came back out and arboleta like nodded to him i was like uh-oh and they kind of just came forward at each other 
And then Chris went back to the rope and he just started throwing throwing hard punches. I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it it's, it's a little bud in Chris Colbert, in, right, in terms of an approach. He, he can switch. He can be a slippery guy. Yeah. He can, he can definitely box. But then when they figure it out and they realize, okay, I got to put this guy away or I got to really put something on his mind. Yeah. They'll both have this kind of thing where, where you can see, you can see the, the switch flip and then bam, they just start sitting down on punches and really digging in there, getting there, trying to do maximum damage. Yeah. And he, uh, he broke Arboleta down. The way he, yeah. The way he turned and he sat down, like he was sitting down. I was looking at that yeah. shit. Damn. He he really planted his feet and was sitting in the pocket with dude. I was like, yeah, he 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 know he can fuck him up too. So yeah, uh, yeah, I give I give Chris maybe three three to three to five more fights. And but what he did was put everybody on notice that I, I can I can't hurt I can't hurt you. So yeah, yeah, I I would say he's one to two fights away. I think he's yeah yeah. I, I just my my eyes don't deceive me. I see it. Okay. I'm not saying that's nothing wrong and, with and, 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 and Arboleta can punch. And yeah. Colbert took it, shook it off, and, you know, then stopped playing around and got him up out of there. So. All right. So the next division would be the guy. You know, we already know who's at the top, uh, Shakur Stevenson. But. Yeah. I mean, Tank, Tank hold a belt there, too. But Tank is, you know, Tank is about to be in a 135 mix. I mean, at that at one thirty, if you know, if Tank still makes one thirty, then you know, Tank and Shakur. You I know, so that, that is a, that is a that fight is is not gonna happen till Shakur moves up to like one thirty. Yeah, that, that that's gonna move up to one thirty five, one forty. But it, so, from a realistic standpoint, the best fight that can happen would be Shakur Stevenson versus Miguel Burchell. I would like to see that fight. Yes. Or Oscar Valdez, who who's quack 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 quack. Yeah, and, and he's gonna fight Burchelt, but Burchelt's gonna knock uh, Valdez out. I say by the ninth or tenth round, he's gonna stop him. It's amazing that you would take that fight, knowing that you probably gonna get. Well, I don't know if you know, but instead of taking a guy that's probably just wanted to box your head off. Well, two things: he want to keep it in the family. That's number one, Facts. and then number and then number two it's a greater embarrassment. Like you got some guys whose skills are just so immense. It, it, it's, it's one thing to fight and go through a war and get knocked out. There's no shame in that. But when you get embarrassed, you know, a lot of guys don't want to get embarrassed. Yeah. And the thing about Shakuri is if he decides to go from embarrassment to hurting you, that shit just. Well, he, he, well he's going to embarrass you because that's just who he is in his DNA. He's a, he is a master boxer. So you're going to get embarrassed. The difference is, is that well, I want to see with um, Shakur, what he's starting to do is he's coming because he's young. He's coming into his grown man strength and he's still de- his body's still developing is when he can then apply power to that sweet science in certain spots and pick his spots. Yeah. He's educated enough to pick his shots. But when he picks his shots with power, then he becomes extremely dangerous, especially yeah. being the southpaw and being as crafty as slippery as he is. And, and he's there, though. He's not a runner. He is movement, but it's, 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 he's got educated feet. He's real slippery. And uh, he uses it to set up his offense. And uh, it's, that's, that's a dangerous fight. But yeah, I, but Burchell over Valdez all day, every, every day, any day. 
Um, and I think it's going to end up being Burchelt versus uh, Shakur. Uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because I don't want to keep going through weight classes. We'll be here all day discussing that. Uh, who are your top three to five middleweights of all time? Oh, man, that's hard. Yeah, I know. I know. Because you got guys that fought. You know. <laughs> It goes back a long way. If you want to go past that, we can yeah, go. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not going to duck it. You know, I'm not going to duck. I can't call all people ducks. And I duck. <laughs> so I'm not going to duck. What I'm going to say is, is this. Um, I'm picking these guys because to me they were, they were true middleweights, and then maybe went another division, but they, that, that they were true middleweights. Like Sugar Ray Robinson fought in middleweight, but he was a true welterweight. That was a big welterweight, but. You know, certain guys going to division. But if I had to pick them, uh, my number one would be Roy Jones Jr. Uh, like, it ain't even close. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's, there's nothing like Roy. At middleweight, because, I, you know, uh, Roy at one, you know, Roy lost the other way, but one Roy at middleweight. Hey, man, I I, say, I, if Roy, if you ever hear this shit, man, how come you ain't say at 154 and get a goddamn belt? Anyway, keep going. You want to cut that weight. Um yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, man, just because of the longevity, bro. Um, I, it's not my favorite style, but uh, you know, I look at accomplishment and bottom line. I gotta put Bernard Hopkins in there. <laughs> okay. I just have to, man. The guy who has that many defenses, who held the division down for that long. Um, like I said, not my favorite style. Um, and he beat, he beat top guys. Like he, you know, I'm not going to argue it. Um, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, I have to, bro. Yeah, I, I have to, yeah, I'm putting in there. I'm in there, but yeah. And, and then obviously I'm going to say, um, um, I'm probably missing some people here historically. I know I'm missing people historically, but, um, I'm going to say it, you know, and obviously, uh, Marvin Hagler. So I think you kind of just name who I would go with my three. My three would have been in no particular order. Marvin I'm giving Hagler. the order. Roy Jones, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Mine's Jones, number one, number two, and number three. <laughs> Mine would have been Marvin Hagler, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, and Roy Jones Jr. See, Easily. to me, Sugar Ray Robinson, I put in welterweight. To me, when I think about Sugar Ray Robinson, I think about the quintessential 147 pounder. I know he's a big 147 pounder. Absolutely. But I still I still look at him as a as a welterweight. But yeah, you could obviously do it because these guys fought multiple weight divisions. But yeah, yeah, I say I say middleweight because he went to middleweight and, and he did a hell of a job at middleweight. No different. Oh, he did a hell of a job. No, no different than what he did at welterweight. But yeah, yeah, no different from welterweight. It was just that the fact he was able to sit there in welterweight and he had to be put on murderer's row for parts of yeah. his career because he was part of five was the five or six fighters that no one wanted to fight. So they ducked him. They ducked him. And the five guys that they they were ducking, all those guys, guys had to fight each other five or six uh, times just yeah. so, you know, they could uh, make a living and, and fight and, and shit like that. So my yeah, three. I'll also say, I'll say welterweight because his best fights were, and even though this other guy, his opponent wasn't the most skilled, but he was the most willed, was him and Jake LaMotta, man. But that was, at, that was middleweight, right? That wasn't welterweight. I thought that was welterweight. Okay, I had to, I had to check it out. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Because Jake, 
that was a rage. I mean, they fought, they fought, they fought several times. But, yeah. Oh yeah, um, like five or six, like five. Or yeah. Six. All right. Uh, hardest hitting. Boy, heavy can Jake Lamotta take an ass whooping? Huh? <laughs> I said, and boy, can Jake Lamotta take an ass whooping? He could give one too, though. Now. Yeah, oh yeah, he could. That boy can punch. Back and look, like he gave, he fucking gave, he gave uh, Sugar Ray Robinson some 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 bites, some work. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the next thing was hardest hitting heavyweights ever to you. Uh, hardest hitting heavyweights. Three to five. You don't have to give me a whole list. I'm just going to say three to five. De- Deontay Wilde is definitely in there. Okay. Uh, he hit people with that right hand and they fall. Okay. Um, I would say Mike Tyson. That's two. George Foreman. Three. Um, what's that? Is it Archie Moore? That's that light heavy. I think he was was it was uh what's his uh, I think he was was he wasn't he in heavyweight? He tried and he got pummeled by uh market. He did oh so oh was he just cause he was super he was man he had he had a punch on him. What's what wasn't Archie Moore? Okay, um I mean there were several guys who could I mean fucking Ken Norton could could fucking punch. Um so let me look at this. So Deontay Wilder, George Foreman, Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. um I'm just gonna name three. I'll just I'll just stick with with those. I'm pretty sure I'm missing. Some, of course, uh, but uh, you know it don't it don't matter. Like you pick some good ones. So, so mine would be mine would be George Foreman, mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, and Sonny Liston. And the yeah, reason why I'm picking those three specifically is because they had dynamite in both hands. In got both. you. Got it. It didn't, got it. It didn't yeah. take much for them to connect with something after a jab or slipping in and hitting you with an uppercut or a left hook and you will fall. Deontay Wilder, I understand why people would say that, um, but there was one hand and he didn't set up. Yeah, he never set it up with much or nothing. He never did nothing else outside of that. But um, it still makes it crazy that he was still getting it done with that one yeah, hand without even- <laughs> Very, very true. You know, very, very true. Very fucking true. I, that's the only, that was the reason why I was so upset the more and more I watched him over a five-year period, I'm like, why doesn't he, he should be in the ring working on that shit. Yeah, yeah. Even doing fights, I'd be, I'd be throwing my jab, hooking off the jab, hooking to the body, because they're not going to see it if you're doing that. Yeah, and the crazy thing with him is where his right hand is, he only hit a lot of, if you look at a lot of his knockouts, he's not even hitting people cleanly. No, he hit, he hit motherfuckers in the forehead and all type of shit. I mean, he'll <laughs> graze them or clip them. I mean, he knocked, he puts guys to sleep with just clipping them. Yeah, just with that them. right hand. So, um, you know, now the other guys were just be- better boxers. I, I wholly agree. And that's why when they hit guys, they hit them flush yeah. and put them to sleep. Yeah. They had more of a direct impact. Wilder's a little bit unrefined, a little bit, on, you know, on the wilder side. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but no pun intended. No pun, pun intended. intended. Pun intended. I still love that brother, the bronze bomber. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, put it together, yeah. champ. I just wish you just put it together because you got to have a jab, and you need you need the hook to the head or to the body, man. And they got they, all they, the physical attributes. And they mm-hmm. asked Roy. They said, "How long would it take you to make sure that he uh, refined his skills?" And he said, "Give me six months, and I can make sure that Deontay that you'll never see his right hand coming." Yeah, I was like six months. And yeah, he said, he said six months. He said because all he needs to do is work on the, the left hand. He said everything. Yep, exactly. He would, drill, he would drill. He would drill him just on the left hand. It would be nothing with the yeah, right. He, 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 right. 
Yeah, he, he would tie the right hand behind his back. Literally, he probably would in a straight jacket, so he can't do nothing with the right hand. And he would have him jabbing, hooking off the jab, you know, hybrid hook uppercut, you know, uh, uh, different variations of the hook. Yeah. You know, a check hook. Yeah. You know, because yeah, I mean, all that shit. yeah, because the most dangerous uh, punch to me with Deontay, because people know that why, that right hand is coming and they try to do it is the check left hook. Yeah. But just think of it if it was a jab, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I've seen him do the Tommy Hearns, nothing like Tommy did it, but the blind you and then right hand come. He's done that to a few people. But I'm and, saying, and, just imagine yeah. him jab, just jabbing you all night. He's like, what if yeah. I know it's coming? Are you scared yeah. of shit? He's like, yo, he's going to jab me all night. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that, and I think the, the, the hook off the jab or the check left hook, he would devastate people because all they keep oh, looking was- at with him is a right hand. Everybody who fights him, if you look at, if you follow their eyeballs, all they're doing is looking at his right hand. Yeah. That's all they're looking at. Can you imagine him stepping in off somebody's jab and throwing a hook to the body and that's, then that's, step- Yeah. Oh, and he long yeah. as shit. And he long, oh. and he, he's also not a huge, he's tall, but he's not a wide person. So he's not no. a big target. No. And he has enough athleticism to learn how to slip the jab and get the hook in there. Um, yeah, it's just to me, um, he it was with Deontay, he'll never, it's, he's old enough, he won't realize his full potential, what he could have been because he was with the wrong trainers. To me, you, you, you put Deontay Wilder, if it, like say if, um, I know he's dead and gone, but let's say if you were to put Deontay Wilder with uh, a guy, rest his soul, uh, what's his name, who, who uh, trained Klitschko. You man, oh Manny, Manny. So imagine, yeah, imagine, the imagine if Emmanuel Stewart. Stewart. Ima- imagine if Emmanuel Stewart would have had Deontay Wilder. Um, you know, or imagine Eddie if Fudge. Eddie or Eddie Mustafa. Uh, Eddie, uh, uh, no, Eddie Fudge, not, Ma- not Mustafa, but Eddie Fudge. Fudge. Just Eddie Fudge. Eddie, Eddie Fudge. Uh, uh, you you can go that route, or or even you could even go. I mean, it, it's it's so many trainers I can name that if they had them. Um, you know, I give you somebody unconventional who would have been great for Deontay Wilder. Roger Mayweather would have been a great trainer for Deontay Wilder. Absolutely, because Roger had the same setup, long, long, yeah. And and, and Roger was aggressive, you know, was aggressive and wanted to punch. But but he, as he as he got older and became a trainer, he learned to be, you know, hey, if you're more the more defensively responsible you are, the more you can use that to set up to get your offense off. Yeah. And Deontay Wilder don't have to be Floyd Mayweather. All he got to do is be halfway defensively responsible and yeah. add, incorporate a little movement and, and get that jab and that left hand working. And he, I mean, couldn't nobody touch him. Yeah. I think- Because they'd be I, so afraid of that right hand. I saw uh, Wilder made the comment that he don't believe uh, Floyd Mayweather means it when he says that he wants to train him. He said he think it's all just for, for, the, for the spotlight. Here's what I say. If you- I would have took him up on it. I would have took him up. Well, yeah, I would. If, if I'm, if I was Deontay, I think it's a little bit of pride too, right? I think it is. I think this is this is what I want to say about that situation. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to Floyd Mayweather since the death of Roger Mayweather, he's changed. And he's changed a lot, and he's willing to work with people and be involved with people a lot more now than ever. And he hasn't said. He usually doesn't say he'll just up and train guys. But he specifically said he will work with you because he he knows it. He sees it. 
everybody yeah. sees what's wrong. Everybody see how you can yeah. help and grow. I would have took him up on that shit, man. There's no way in the world I wouldn't have taken him up on that because, you know, you can think a lot of things you want to think about Floyd with Mayweather, but um, he is he is a high-level IQ boxer. Yes. And whatever wisdom he can bestow upon you, you can take that, internalize it, and use it to your advantage. You do that. Again, I think it was, with Deontay, it was the pride. It was the – because then I have to admit that I'm, I'm broken, right? I have to admit it. Instead, Deontay should look at it up. Nigga, I was broken, and I still won the bronze medal in the Olympics. I still became heavyweight champion of the world. So now imagine if I – yeah, he he looked at it the wrong way, you know, and nobody's perfect. We all have our flaws. We all make our excuses when we come up short and different things like that. But if I was Deontay, I definitely would have taken him up on his offer because if Floyd Mayweather would have gotten a hold of him, that would have been extremely dangerous. Hell, uh, George Foreman reached out and told him to come to Texas. Or, yeah. Uh, told him, come, yeah. To, come, come to Texas. I got you. He said, we'll start. Yeah. And they said, he put out, he posted a message or something, whatever it was, or they they showed what George had said to him, uh, however it went. And he said, if he come to Texas, we're not going to even get into boxing right away. We're going to get into who he is. So I understand right. where he's coming from. He said, and then after that, you know, we can get in there and I can show him some old school shit. And he said, he'll be a lot better off. But So who, who's training Deontay now? I know, you know. It's Jay Diaz, and that's all. But Jay Diaz, remember, Jay Diaz was his was his first trainer that was his uh manager and all that so he had well, you know, De- yeah Deontay Wilder is very loyal yeah huh? he's loyal to a he's loyal yes. to a fault yes um but besides JD is who else is nobody else is nobody else yeah because JD is is not really to me a trainer like a high level you know he's more amateur level he's not and no disrespect to nobody out there because we know there's no. like Hunter and, and yeah Papa Bill Haney that train their kids and everything like that. Train the, the train uh, they train people and they do very good. But in that situation, when I hear a guy say I wouldn't have stopped that fight, there's something to be said about that. Yeah, there's something to be said about that. And the other part to me is that you know the skill of Deontay Wilder. You see it and you see what's lacking. And it. Yeah. When you go back and watch Deontay Wilder fights, do you ever see like Mark Breland telling him what to do, and and he and he has, he doesn't even follow it. Like he just goes out there and does what the fuck he want to do. And it's like, yo, he just told you to jab, bro. Set up the right hand. I just, I just don't understand how a guy like Mark Breland is in your corner, and you don't even learn how to use your feint, your jab, and your right hand. I I think I think is um while Mark possesses all this knowledge, and I think he definitely probably tried to do all this. It, it just wasn't a good fit. And I think just it, it, it requires a certain communication skill set. Yeah. I think that Mark Breland just didn't possess. Yeah. Um, just cool. think about Deontay Wilder. He has such a strong personality. You have to get through that maze first in order to be able to unlock everything else. And he's soft spoken. You know, he tells you yeah. if you don't do it, he just he just moves on. Yeah. Deon- it's not that Deontay needed somebody who was going to grab him and shake him. It's just that Deontay needed somebody who understands that everything that he who does- care, Who didn't care that you was a champ? Motherfucker, yeah. I'm telling you, this is what you need to do and you need to goddamn do it. Manny Stewart have been perfect for that. Yeah, Ma- Manny Stewart would have been perfect. Manny Stewart would have had him, yeah. He would have had him disciplined. Eddie, Eddie he made, yeah. made, made them guys rest in peace. Eddie Fudge would have been perfect for that shit too. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. uh, oh George Georgie Benton would uh would have bet he he would have he would have done a great job with him too. I mean that's this uh I mean there's several guys there's several yeah. guys I mean hell hell even even fucking Lou Duva. <laughs> Lou Groovy Lou. yeah yeah Gro- Lou would have done a hell of a job with him too yeah I mean he'd have been was good now he was he was he was very good he was solid he was super solid so all those guys can you imagine great, but yeah. Nacho Berenstein training him at a fight. Yeah, with Nacho Berenstein, I, he would have had him like a machine. It, it, if, if it had been Nacho Berenstein, he wouldn't look the way he looks. He would he would have changed him a little bit physically to fight the style that Nacho teaches, I think. He'd have been more, yeah. you know, he'd have been more, he'd have put, he definitely would have put a little bit more weight on him, just a little bit as a heavyweight, and he would have had him more, you know, walking people down. Yeah. Um, and now he would have taught him his ways to go about walking people down, angles, certain movements. He would have taught him a lot of subtleties. But I think for Deontay, because he's he's an athlete first and then a boxer, I think uh, Emmanuel Stewart would have honed that. I think now I definitely think Floyd. I think Floyd would have done a phenomenal job with him. Yeah. I think Nacho would have made him more of a counterpuncher, though. A, a, a yeah, Nacho definitely would. Nacho definitely would have made him a counterpuncher. Yeah, I think it would have been like yeah. a boxing counterpuncher. Because that's just yeah, but Floyd Floyd could have done the same thing. Floyd was yeah, one of the best. That's what I'm saying him. though. Like you had the, the, <laughs> the perfect guys for that shit. Can you imagine yeah. that him out there boxing and just waiting for you to fuck up so the right hand can go? But you know what Deontay was thinking? Deontay was thinking if Floyd does this, then it's gonna be about Floyd. That's what he was thinking. I, now that is the part that I, I truly, truly believe was bothering him the most. It won't be yeah. about me winning fights, it'll be about Floyd Mayweather training. No, it won't, bro. It'll actually be exciting to know that the top heavyweight champ in the world is under the tutelage or being taught by one of the greatest fighters ever and, of all time. And, and and here's how he should know that that's not the he should have known that's not the case. Floyd is trained to work with Devin Haney. He's trained and works with Tank. Now he don't overtake the spotlight. The, the, you can't help the media is going to be all over Floyd, but Floyd uses his cachet to his fighters' benefit because it's about making money. But Devin Haney, you don't hear Floyd saying, well, Devin Haney's good as he is because of me. He, you, know, you never hear him say that. You, 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 what you hear him say is, yeah, hey, you know, Devin been in the gym for a long time, coming there, work with my dad, work with such and such. I work with him. Hey, he's a great, he's a great fighter. He's got a promising future. He don't go in there after, after Devin wins fights. After Devin, you know, got the belt and did all this, he's not getting in the middle of all that. He doesn't do that. And when you're very good at what you do, Floyd salutes you. Yeah, he salutes. Yeah. Uh, he went yeah. and saw. He went and made sure Errol Spence was what he was. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, that's why he showed up at that fight. He wanted to see. He wanted to put his eyes on him and say, "Okay, are you the same?" Was because you know Floyd is going. See, it's not who Floyd's talked to in public. It's who Floyd talks to when you when you nobody's looking. Yeah. That yeah, he he'll talk to Anthony Joshua and all those guys. That's all good media look yeah. and this and that. But if you think he ain't behind the scenes talking to Errol Errol Spence. And they're close and they're cool. And, you know, everybody knows Floyd is part owner of the PBC. And nobody's dumb. They know what's going on. And, you know, Earl had sparred Floyd several times. They had a relationship. So, you know, and Floyd going to be honest, like, "Mm, yeah, you lost a step. Or, you know, you need to work on this. You need to work on that. You know that's what's going on. And and it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah, and I think he also didn't like the fact that, like you were saying, uh, Floyd was over there talking to Anthony Joshua. Here's my opinion on that. Why wouldn't I talk to a guy who's probably a better boxer and can end up holding the crown a little bit longer than you can? And and not only that, 
I salute Floyd for doing it because why would not talk to another black man? That part. That now, part. granted, Anthony Joshua be on some whole shit, and it's coming back. It's, it comes. It's, it came back to backfire him, backfire on him. But you can't hold Floyd accountable for what Anthony Joshua does. You know, now Anthony Joshua started to be like, mm, "Nah, Fury, we checking your gloves." Mm. So you can't say Deontay Wilder, you're making excuses, but that's out of jealousy from Anthony Joshua because he dug Wilder, right? But you can't say, I, I got to keep an eye on him. He, he got a drug test. Oh, we got to make sure we check his gloves and after the, before the fight, after the fight. Yeah. But then say, you can't say all that, but then say, well, Deontay Wilder's making excuses. Nothing happened. Well, why are you saying he needs to be checked out? Because you saw what he did to Deontay Wilder. You saw him cheat. So um, that's my thing. I don't blame Floyd uh, for talking to to Anthony Joshua. I mean, I, hell, for what it's worth, Anthony Joshua should have had Floyd Mayweather try to train him. That would have helped out Anthony Joshua big time. Absolutely. I'm sure Floyd would have told yeah. him to take off some of that uh, water weight or muscle. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I would say Floyd could do more with Anthony Joshua than he could for Deontay Wilder because I think Joshua got a better boxing base than uh, Deontay Wilder. No, no spit in the chair. And, and, and Joshua, yeah. It's, it's the that's just true. And Joshua also has, Joshua's left hand is way better than Deontay's left hand. And he's got power in that left hand. And so um, I think he definitely would have done that. And, you know, we know what Floyd would have did. He's like, you got to cut back on some of that muscle. We got to get, number one, you're going to be in condition, nigga. If I'm training you, look at anybody, you're going to have to be in condition. You know, look at what Floyd has done to Tank. You know, people to get Tank credit, he knocked out Santa Cruz. But, you know, Tank's power is carrying because he's in condition. You don't throw a punch like that from that angle with that much force and power. And he got hit a lot by Santa Cruz. And that was a pretty good fight. You don't go through all that without being in some good conditioning. And, and, and not just the condition. He was so relaxed and poised. Yeah. He was very yeah. calm. He, ne- I, he, was, he never panicked. That, like that, uppercut, Floyd, that never uppercut panicked. is his punch, though. For people who yeah. don't. That uppercut is his fucking punch. If he can throw it any type of way to get you, he's going to hit you with that shit. But, and I'm going to tell you another how, thing that I see. Pose he was. He, he, he was very calm, man. Like, like water. With the high-level guys that come out of Floyd's gym or that he specifically has touched and trained, is one thing they all have in common, which is why, actually, I'm going to change The best fight at 135 is Tank versus Devin Haney. And I'm going to tell you why. I thought Not you only did they that, both, right? I, 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 Did I say that at 135 is the best? Yeah, I did say that. Okay, I did, yeah. Yeah, because there's two things. You got the skills, you got all this and that. But they do one thing that all these other fighters don't do. Even when punches are coming at them, even if they get hit, or when they're throwing their punches, the eyes, bro. Their eyes, they got Mayweather eyes. Mayweather fight, he would see everything. He was, it, he never blinked. It wasn't like, you know, some guys, they kind of, or. Yeah, they cover up. You, you see Tiafimo do it. You see Ryan Garcia do it. Um, the only guy who I saw who didn't do that a lot but then, you know, then when some when he was he's got a little fear of power, I saw Lomachenko, you know, kind of, you know, shade a little bit. But Floyd and Devin Haney, and I see look at Tank, the eyes are always focused. And they're always on and they're they're looking at everything. Yeah. And they don't, even when you faint, the, the body may react, but the eyes don't react. <laughs> I've looked at it in slow motion. I've seen guys faint and I've seen the body make a move. But the eyes don't do anything. When other guys fight, I've seen them react to a faint. It's the eyes and the body does something. It's a strange skill 
I don't know what's going on, but if you look at those guys in their fight, their eyes are always very focused, very on. They see things coming. And what made Tank and Devin interesting fight is because Tank will see it coming and still take the punch. Devin will see the punch coming and get the fuck out the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think for Tank, I think that big ass pit bull neck he got and the fact that he not exactly. worried, the fact that he's not worried about the punch is different for him. Well, the other thing is Tank is Tank is is um Tank is the most dangerous because he he lulls you into this false confidence. You know, Devin was going to just frustrate the fuck out of you. He's like, I can't fucking touch this guy. It's, it, uh, just off GP, you're frustrated because you can't get to him. Just more like similar to Floyd. Tank is an interesting case because he'll see it coming. And I've seen him see stuff and he don't move. He'll take it. But he's doing it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a method to the madness. He's doing it to get you comfortable so he can get you comfortable enough to land that one punch. And that's what he did with Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz got real comfortable throwing them straight right hands, boy. He was, oh, he got so comfortable, he threw three in a row. Yeah. Tank was like, I saw, uh, my nigga. I saw he did that interview with Ellie Setback. Yeah. He asked him, he was like, did you know that the third one was coming? He's like, yeah, he had been doing it. He had been doing it. He's like, I just didn't know he was going to throw three of them. He said, I saw the, the, yeah. that's the I saw him do the wind up. He said, oh, he out of here then. And he was like, yeah. Tank, did you throw that as hard as you can? He's like, no. He said, I just tried to connect. No. Just try to connect. That's all he got to do. And so that that takes a that's takes a certain amount of skill. That means his eyes are open. He's watching. He's thinking. That's good IQ. And that's ballsy because you're taking you're taking a punch. You're taking two three punches because you know you want to give one. Salute to high you know. intensity workouts too. When they put you in the mix with the mitts and everything, and they got you paying attention to everything that's going on, and you can't take yeah. your eyes off anything. So when you're working yeah. on a pad and everything like that. And they got multiple things coming at you. That 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 helps a lot to make sure that your eyes are trained to stay directly on the target without breaking focus. Um, yeah, yeah. Those two do it. Those two do it the best, uh, especially in that division. But I think even in in boxing, er- Errol does it a lot too. His, his is a little different. He does it behind his high guard. Yes, yes. Um, I just don't like when he and, turns his head when he does it. I just don't yeah, like I don't like. Yeah, he'll do that. Um, if he does do it, I would like to see him get in a little tighter and use that movement to do a pull counter. Um, you know, Floyd was really good at the pull counter. I, I, I see, I see Errol can do it, but he doesn't, it's, you know, he does it, he pulls out a little bit, which can be dangerous because somebody can loop something around. He got hit with a lot of looping punches by Sean Porter, by the way, too. Yeah, but they was close, close range all night, so. Yeah, it, it was close range. It wasn't a phone booth. He knew it was nothing that could hurt him. Um... But uh, but yeah, but I think Devin Haney and Tank uh, do it the best, and I, I think Earl his his focus, but he does turn away and do some things. I would like to see if he's gonna turn. You gotta fi- have some fire and coming back. And you um, imagine, just a kid, could you imagine Deontay Wilder doing a pull counter, bro? It, 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 that that's why Floyd would have been perfect for him because the pull counter would you? I mean, the pull counter would be extremely dangerous with him. Ooh. Coming from that guy, yeah, because it's coming from that right hand. And not only is the not only is the pull kind of would that be his like in terms of what you call a, a move or something, but that would have been so effective for him because it would have positioned his body to torque everything to deliver that right hand. It's a cobra strike. It is. It it's is. Yep. It's you know it's it's as you come in. Whoop. 
Yeah. And I like I like how Floyd do it because he would just do it just enough so he could feel it touch his face. And once he felt exactly. it would get near him. He, he knew that's when they come back. He was spraying. He, 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 so he was it was so weird with him. You can literally see his eyes looking like, okay, he's past my cheekbone. Okay, now yeah. he's in range. Yeah, he, but he, he was, was a master of distance. He would set it up like he would get on the back foot. And yeah. He would get right. I was like, yo, Floyd is a motherfucker. Well, he would loop you in because he throw, you know, Floyd threw a lot of check hooks. So people would be trying to get around, get, you know, be looking for that check hook. And then, you know, they would keep that guard up to protect that left hook. And then they would try to come in and come in a little too lean and a little too much to extend. Yeah. And, you know, with Floyd, his upper body movement was so great uh, that he could, you, he could make you think he was there. And then by the time you throw the punch. Correct. Because he would make you he's out the way. like he was, he had left the yeah. pocket. He really didn't. Yeah. It's and I'm gonna tell you who else I'm gonna tell you who else is very good at that. Clonello is very good at that. Clonello could be amazing with the pull counter. Yes. He has phenomenal upper body movement. Yes. Um yes. we know where he got it from, but he it, it, it's 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 high level upper body movement. Do you really but, uh, think, yeah? Do you really think he's improved since the Floyd Mayweather fight? I yeah, I definitely think so. Really? I, I think he's still fundamentally the same fighter, but I think you know you can't fight high-level guys and not learn and pick up something. Um, he, he knew what he wanted to do to Floyd, and he knew he couldn't do it. So he went back and watched the film and said, well, why couldn't I execute what I wanted to do? And then he started, he started mimicking and doing things that Floyd did. That up, Can Canelo wasn't no upper body. He, he didn't move like that previous to the fight with Floyd. He, he didn't move like that. I think he had some of that upper body. Uh... He, 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 he had the slip. He had more the typical, the, the traditional Mexican, like Juan Manuel Marquez, like, but it, nigga, it wasn't, it wasn't this, it, it wasn't all of that. And then with the counters coming back, not, not, not like that. It was a traditional, let me slip and punch. It was traditional, let me, you know, let me uh, 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 duck and, and counter, but it wasn't, it wasn't with the type of finesse that he's done that that he that that like like with the fight with Danny Jacobs. Look how Danny was just yeah he could he uh 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 uh, uh. and then he hit bro, him with one punch. I was like yo Danny what the fuck are you? Well well the thing was if you look at it he did the same thing that Floyd would do. Floyd would do it and then he would get square. When guys get square, you think the target's easier, but they're setting you up because he's ready to drop that back foot. Yeah. So he's looking at you, then you come. You see, and Canelo was just rolling. Essentially, he was he was ducking it, but he was also getting to the point to where even if you acted with that punch, he was taking a sting off it by being able to roll with it. So it, it was it's a little nuance in his upper in his defense with the upper body movement that he had post Floyd that he didn't have before Floyd. To me, that's why he was able to incorporate against the Triple G fight because Triple G put leather on him, but he couldn't get the full impact because he was able to take a lot of sting, being able to roll with a lot of those punches. Not just that, being worried about that what was coming back. Yeah, and, and of course Triple G was worried about what was coming back. And uh, I, I think Canelo definitely got a lesson. You don't get a schooling like that for 12 rounds and not learn something, I would hope not. My only thing is like after that, you really didn't, you haven't really fought anybody. But I think that's the thing though. I think the whole not fighting anybody has to do more with money here's the thing if if people if i if people if i'm gonna get paid regardless why would i why would i take any any additional risk 
Very true. However, it's low reward, right? It's, it's like it's like the Bears and the Bulls. Why should the Bears and Bulls get any better if people keep buying, if they keep selling out tickets? Correct. If you're going to keep coming to my fights, I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to change a goddamn thing. Why? Why, why should so I? You figure out what's going on. <laughs> right. and, and, and that's why the Bears and the Bulls suck. suck. And that's, that's why the Cubs suck for such a long time. Yes. Because... The Tribune and all, these, and all these owners, they were like, dude, these mother, they come in here and get drunk. It's the world's largest outdoor bar. We're selling our tickets in day games. They never saw it was Wednesday at 1 p.m. Yes. And, oh. and they're selling out. Right. And so it's like, okay, why, why would I take any more chances? You know, if, if I'm going to get paid the same amount of money. And so that's how Canelo looks at it, I think. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I talked to somebody about that and I heard another person who played pro football speak on that. And he said, there's only five top teams in every sport in American sports yeah. that actually want to win. And when they want to win, exactly. they things to make sure that their teams do win. Everybody else mm -hmm. is just get, uh, getting paid. They just feeling the Just trying to get a check, bro. And, and they try to get a check. And I'm going to tell you what solidified that in sports when you had uh, revenue sharing. Once all the major sports, you know, to try to balance out big, large market, small market to incentivize small markets to still go there uh, for competitive balance purposes, they did revenue sharing. Like, look at the Yankees. The Yankees are always going to be in the mix because they make the most money. But, you know, even though the Yankees do that revenue, there's a certain amount of revenue they have to give up to the league, and that's shared with the smaller market teams. Yeah. So, if, if you're getting the same amount of money, why spend more money to get better talent and put in more work to, to actually compete? And in his when case, you, when you, in his case, why would I take a risk? Exactly. Why would I, why would I, take, still, on a, why would I take on a Charlo who might bust my shit up? My fuck right. So if, if I'm getting paid $25 million, why would I not? If DeZone wants to pay me $25 million for, fi for fighting Abney Yildirim, why would I take the same $25 million for fighting Jamal Charlo? You see what I'm saying? Right. Right. So it that is. No why would I it take, don't make any sense. Why would I take an Andre fight and get danced on all night and, and look stupid? When I can take this yeah. guy over here and y'all are same, me. Yeah. same reason. Yeah. Same reason why nobody at the top at 147 is going to fight boots. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, why? I, yeah, it's time. It's time is coming. Next up. Yeah. He next up. All right, bro. I think that's all I got, man. Unless you got something. You Ooh, likewise. Huh? No, nah, that's it, man. No, nah, I'm good. That's it. Just, you know, who you got for the Super Bowl tomorrow? My homie. My homeboy, I'm with you on that, man. My homeboy. I'm I'm a little concerned with the two starting offensive tackles being out. That's my only concern, you know, because yes. also Tampa, Tampa Bay's two guys on the edge are great, Shaq Beard yes. and JPP. And their defense is very good. Uh, yeah. Damn it. And that's, but, but look, I'm staying home. God damn it. You know, I'm going to go with the home. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, home I, do expect, I do expect it to be kind of either a shootout or they're going to have to uh, figure out a way to hold Mahomes and from scoring over 25, 20, 27 points, I should say. 24. Well, I, I think they can still – I think they can't let Mahomes get more than 30. I think under 30, Tampa Bay can score 30-plus points on Kansas City's defense. I don't think they can let Mahomes get over 30 points. Then That's I think – Yeah, yeah, that, that, that things drop because, I, I mean – but I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. In the first quarter, Tyreek Hill – has seven catches for 290-something yards and three touchdowns in the first quarter last time they played Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see, though. Ooh. It's going it's to be a good one. It's, I think I'm going to order a pizza for that, man. 
Yeah, I feel you. Man, Jay, I appreciate you jumping on here with me. Likewise. Always. always. We're going to go out of here, bro. Appreciate it. Likewise. All right, bro. Yep.